very lucky that we get a chance to talk to Mel Kuyper Jr. Several times leading up to the draft, he was great to us last year when the Bears... Very accessible. Yeah, had the number one pick, and then they ended up trading down. They did very well. Uh, Darnell Wright uh, made the all-rookie team. And right today is the two-year anniversary, too, of uh, Ryan Poles uh, getting the job. We have a, a poll question about that. Let's bring in Mel Kuyper Jr. Joins us right now on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. He joins Waddle and Sylvie. Mel, how you feeling today? I'm doing good. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, one day, like, the Bears will pick 25th, <laughs> and we won't need you as much. But right now, we really could use your help. That's fine. I'd say Ryan Poles doesn't need any help. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ryan. He does a great job, and it's a difficult decision. I go back and forth on this almost by the hour. And if it is the case, I, I came to the conclusion about a week or so ago, when you're going back and forth by the minute, hour, day, you just have to you know, reset the clock and make the move and trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. If you feel strongly that Justin has turned the corner and the players love him and we know he can keep getting a little better and he could be great, then you, you trade the first pick and you move forward with Justin Fields. So it's a tough call. Uh, it's because Caleb was so good in 2022. And even at the start of this past season, until he kind of hit a little bit, I wouldn't say a slump, but struggled a bit after the, really, the Notre Dame game on through the rest of the year. He had a couple games after that where he was around 55 57%, but he's so good. Even when people say he was struggling, he still wasn't throwing interceptions. He completed the higher percentage of his passes this year than he did last year. So this was not an obvious decision to you. You really struggled making this decision. Really did. I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I was coming out. I had my second highest rated quarterback. I like what I've seen. He's a great kid. He's tough. Uh, he's got all the talent you would want from an arm strength standpoint. You know what kind of athlete and kind of runner he is. He's a, a dual threat, which is uh, gives defensive coordinators and defenses fits. Um, but can he take the next step? He's all about holding the ball a little too long, locking on, missing some layups here and there. Uh, but, you know, he's still young. And if you think he can keep developing and they feel like they may have an infrastructure around him that's better than the previous previous one in terms of coaching and system and that, which makes a quarterback and get another player, to, a receiver to help out DJ Moore, uh, develop these receivers, which they haven't been able to do there, a new wide receiver coach coming in, the coordinator, quarterback coach, all, like I said, the infrastructure around Justin would be better, but it would be that way around Caleb. And, hey, guys, maybe <laughs> Justin ends up being really good and Caleb ends up being really good and it's no harm, no foul. Uh, Mel, you mentioned how his 2022 season was different than his 2023 season, Caleb Williams. If, in fact, if we project, if Caleb doesn't work out, whether it's here or somewhere else, it'll be because of what? I think uh, because of the fact that he is so improv, so much on the floor, just if, uh, if things break down, he can do it in a structured situation. And again, I think that's up to the coordinator. That's up to the system. Tailor it towards him. They said the same thing about Patrick Holmes when he came out of Texas Tech. Improv does a lot of great things, but you know, from the pocket, I, I've seen Caleb do great things from the pockets. I don't, I don't believe in that. People say leadership. Well, guess what? He didn't have Jordan Addison this year. Things went awry a little bit at USC. I don't see any great offensive lineman. I didn't see any great wide receiver. Uh, yeah, they had a good running back, but they didn't use him necessarily enough. And uh, and also, you think about it. You're a, really, you have agents now. You're doing commercials. You're a pro when you're playing college. He had won the Heisman. He had done all those great things. The team wasn't going to play for the national title. And you get distracted a little bit. You maybe, and then people start to criticize, and they don't see the greatness every week that you saw in 2022. So you start nitpicking a bit. But I, I think Caleb's got everything. He can throw the, he's got what you arm talent, all arm angles, accuracy.
accuracy. He was at 66%, a little over 66% when everybody said he was Mahomes-like. He's at 68-6 this year. He, he's 72 touchdowns, 10 picks. You factor in the rushing touchdowns, he's 93 touchdowns and 10 picks over the last two years. Are you kidding me? So, again, uh, people want to, like I say, criticize, nitpick. I, I, Caleb Williams, I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. If you think Justin can be in another year with that infrastructure around him, then you move forward with him. That's why I say this is a, a call where both could be really good. And, like I say, then you're saying, hey, we can't make a bad decision here if you think that. If you think one can be maybe a little better than the other, then you've got to go that route. And if you believe they're even, you reset the clock. And you go with Caleb. So, and this notion, well, you got to develop him. We see what C.J. Stroud did right away. Took Josh Allen to a second year before he was really turned a corner and was great. Mahomes redshirted his first year, then was great. So, again, you know, there's no easy decision. This is not easy by any stretch. And I think the Bears have to wait it out. They just brought in some new coaches from the offensive side. Wait it out. Do all your due diligence and then make the right call. Uh, Mel, we, you know as well as anyone, this is an inexact science. It's hard to project how guys are going to take that, that next step in the National Football League. But as you look back, and I, and I think everybody probably had Mitch at, to, at the top of their draft board going back to what was it, the 2017 draft. When, when you look back in time, and not everybody had Patrick Mahomes at the top of that list, why when you look back, you look at there and you say, why didn't we project who Patrick was going to be? Because a lot of people don't project. They want to see it. Okay. You, know, you, you, you have to see it. You have to see it. What, what we're seeing now, nobody has – Josh Allen. Everybody said, oh, it's good. Did you, you, know, you have to look at it. I call it Craig Bowles. He's the toughest, most competitive player I've ever coached in my life. I talk to Craig a lot out there. So, again, you, you, it takes one thing to tip. People say, well, you've got to do this. you got to do it. There's no perfect way to evaluate a quarterback. Sometimes it's going to feel sometimes one thing you hear. In Josh Allen's case, Craig Bowles convinced me. In Justin Herbert's case, I called Oregon. I had heard all things. He's not the alpha. He's more happy in the classroom than he is on the football field. He's not a great leader. He's not a take-charge guy. He doesn't command a room. I called a good contact I had with the football program at Oregon. He said, Mel, you don't have to yell and scream to be able to get a guy that people respect, players respect. They love this guy. They'll go through a wall for Justin Herbert. So sometimes just little calls like that. I called people on Jimmy Clausen. Didn't work out. I got grave things back on Jimmy. I went with Jimmy. It didn't work out with Jimmy. So, uh, yeah, but it worked out for me with Justin uh, Herbert. It worked out with Josh Allen. So, you know, nothing's perfect. You can't lose your confidence because you make a mistake. But I'll tell you this, guys, it can destroy a program because, you know, if you miss on a quarterback, I'll go back and I'll tell you a quick story. Kansas City tried to trade up to get Paxton Lynch. Mm. They failed. Denver got them. Yeah. Because of not being able to trade up, they traded down and took Chris Jones. The next year, they took Patrick Mahomes. My point being, had they been successful in doing the deal they wanted to do and got Paxton Lynch, they wouldn't have had Chris Jones. They wouldn't have had Patrick Mahomes. Wow. And Andy Reid wouldn't be a Hall of Fame coach. That's Think about crazy. that, guys. Yeah. So one trade that didn't happen saved the Kansas City Chiefs franchise. And they're, as good as, and they're as good as anybody at evaluating talent. Yes. Yeah, I but how would that. they have been if Paxton Lynch would have You're been right. their pick? And they Absolutely. would have never had Mahomes. Yeah. And, Crazy. And, right. And, Crazy. and Chris Jones. All right. So a couple of things building on that. We're talking to Mel Kuyper Jr. Um, when you say they could be even, uh, Justin and, and Caleb Williams, and I know the clock reference. I threw this at Greg Olson, too, and a lot of the people. This is a very polarizing topic in Chicago because – a lot of people love Justin, rightfully so, just like you do, because they see he's one of one as an athlete, Mal. Like yep. there, there aren't many guys who can do what he can do. So if you can get another haul for the number one pick while keeping Justin and continuing to just double down on all these first round picks, 
Would that be enough to sway you if you grade them uh, close to being even and instead of wanting to reset the clock, wanting you to just build up more draft capital? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I could not be critical of Ryan Poles either way here. I mean, this is this is. I'm saying I'm going back by the minute. Every I'm switching. I, I, I like the, I like Justin enough to keep. A, I you got to reset it. Yeah, how much is Justin convincing me that he's the guy? So no, I would have no problem with that. They have no second because of the great Montez Sweat trade, which has turned out to be a heck of a trade, right? Made up for the Claypool trade. So they have no two. Recoup that. You could recoup that by trading Justin. I, people say you can get a two and a four for Justin. We'll see. Uh, for Caleb, obviously that number one. And get you more than that. But I think getting that two back, however you do, it's important. This is a, a deep year for wide receivers. It's a great year at other positions in terms of depth. You can find players in this draft down the line, but you've got to have those picks. So I'm with you. I would have no problem at all, guys, if they traded the number one pick and went forward with Justin. I would have no problem if they drafted Caleb and traded Justin. I, I, to me, I think both are going to be real. Justin's already shown he can be good. Okay, can he be really, really good? Can he be special? Can he be top five, top seven in the league? Caleb, we think can be, but hey, I thought Trevor would be, and Trevor's not right there, not there right now. Yeah, I thought Trevor could be generational. He's not generational yet. So some of it's not anything to do with him. It's about some things around him. But bottom line is, you know, can can Caleb be that great? Yes, he can. Will he be? I don't know. I don't have that crystal ball. All right, so and then uh, we want to ask you, too, about that the compensation for Justin here in a little bit. But building off of also what you just said there, is there a scenario, because they have the number nine pick, where they can trade down with the number one pick? And then could they, uh, what, what you were saying with the quarterbacks, where other quarterbacks that you never would have thought would be the best quarterback in the class, is there a scenario where you can see them not taking Caleb Williams, but they trade down and take another quarterback later in the first round. Yes, I, I could. I think J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. Washington are going to be very interesting where they come off the board. I have J.J. going 16 to Seattle. I don't have Bo or Michael in the first round because I couldn't project the trade. I do think Bo Nix is a quarterback so I could trade back into the first and get. Same thing for McCarthy if he slid down. So I think there's, and there's other quarterbacks in this draft. Michael Pratt at Tulane could be a fifth, sixth round guy. Carter Bradley, Gus Bradley. Bradley's son out of South Alabama could be a late-round pick. So there's other quarterbacks you could maybe roll the dice with. We're not going to find a Tom Brady and a Brock Purdy, maybe one every 20 years. Good luck trying to find that guy. I mean, it's just, it's just hard. But uh, you, you know, some people are, believe in taking a quarterback in the draft every year, fifth, sixth, seventh round, take one every year and see if you can develop them and, and strike gold. But, no, I think they could take a quarterback at some point. Uh, you know, Ernie, of course, he's always said it. You're always trying to hit that grand slam. And, uh, you know, again, a quarterback they could – Wide receiver, I have them taking Romo Dunze from Washington at nine. Uh, so if they can get Romo Dunze, put him opposite D.J. Moore, uh, boy, you got something going there. If they want to pass on that, they have depth at wide receiver. You recoup a two, there's a lot. I think there's going to be six wide receivers going round two that are pretty doggone good. So there's a lot of ways. They have a lot of options and a lot of ways to attack. And for me to sit back and for Bears fans to sit back and, and watch this whole thing play out, it's going to be fun. I think you, you can't go wrong with Fields. I, I think he's already proven he can be good. The question is, can he be great? Caleb is an unknown, but so is Justin as to whether he can be great. So there's two unknowns there. What unknown are you going to roll the dice with and hope it can become a known? So ultimately, Mel, based on, on your experience and the people you're talking to, if in fact the Bears did decide to pivot and move away from Justin and decided to trade him, what do you believe they would get in return? Because I think at, at one point we had heard that you said that maybe they could get the eighth pick of the draft from the Atlanta Falcons, and that really made people 
kind of open their eyes. Yeah, I, I thought they could. And I've had people say, well, that's not going to happen. They're not going to give up. So I said, well, if that's not going to happen, well, it's about resetting the clock. Remember, right. Scott, you're coming to the point where you've got to pay Justin. You're going to you're gonna have to pay him. Well, Daniel Jones got a lot of money when it got to that point. So that's the tricky part of this is, is that, that topic that we don't have time to get into today. But I think when you look at where we are with Justin right now, I'm hearing the eighth pick isn't going to happen. Okay, that's what you're hearing now. I threw it out there. I said, why wouldn't Atlanta give up the eighth pick for Justin Fields? Well, it's about the money. It's about that. Well, if you believe in Justin, you, you do it. So I, I'm still not convinced that, but people that I respect are saying second and fourth. Mm-hmm. Second and fourth. And that's what I'm hearing. Now, is that etch and stone? I don't know, but that's what everybody I ask about. What can you get back for Justin? A two and a four. Caleb, it's a bonanza. But for Justin, and let's say Caleb Williams, there's work still to be done. The interview process, pro day, all those things are important. I'm not a fan of pro day. I think pro days mean nothing. But the interview process, doing your due diligence, checking with coaches that have worked with him, players that have played with him, they're going to do all that. But I think as it plays out and we get to late April, uh, you know, that's going to be – I said it today on my podcast with Field Yates. It's, it's the most difficult decision any team has in this draft going in. And one of the most difficult decisions any GM's had in a while as though because you have an existing talent who's pretty good and the players love him. Mel, and to pivot away from him and yeah. go with Caleb Williams, who looks like he could be great, but we don't know. Boy, I tell you what, that's why Ryan Poles is the GM there. And uh, I guess that hopefully, guys, hopefully, yeah. both these quarterbacks will be really, really good and nobody will have a problem. Mel, if Caleb was in last year's draft, would he have been the first quarterback by a large margin, in your opinion? You know, it's difficult to say projecting quarterbacks where we are right now because you just don't know every year how the process is going to play out. And the process has just begun. Right now, I would say yes, but I, we haven't gotten through this yet. We still haven't gotten through it. Jaden Daniels right now is that fast riser that went from a – think about this, guys. He was a fourth-rounder last year. I spoke with his mom, Regina, for hours about go back, go back, go back. Yeah, they were, they were thinking about coming seriously, thinking about coming out. Uh, it would go back, go back. And all the reasons why going back was going to benefit Jaden. He ends up winning the Heisman, the Johnny Knight's Golden Arm Award. Now he could be the second, third pick in the draft. So the rush to the NFL, no. Take your time. Play it out. Maximize. If you're not going to be a, a guaranteed first-round pick, go back. So Jaden, I think a lot of kids should look at that and say, okay, but, but for Jaden, that monumental leap. How do teams view a guy who went from a fourth-rounder to the second, third pick overall? That's going to play out over the next year. How do you deal with Drake Metz? who looked great in 2022, but lost his top receiver, Josh Downs, his second-best receiver, and his OC, and didn't have Tez Walker for the first four games, and had three games where he was not very good against Virginia, NC State, and Clemson. How do you view Drake May now? So, again, all these three quarterbacks, it's going to be interesting how teams, the finality of the evaluation in late April, how does it look? Yeah. You mentioned Adunze at number nine. We've talked to people who love him. If the Bears got Adunze, how much better would they be offensively? Oh, boy, 6'3", 215-pounder who had 14 of 15 games when he had five or more catches in the one game he didn't. He went for three catches, 111 yards, and two touchdowns against Utah. Would have had a couple, probably three or four more catches in the championship game had Michael Penix Jr. got him the football. He is special because he's smooth, he's consistent, he's reliable, and he's a competitor. And, uh, yeah, I think he or Malik Neighbors, whichever one, a lot of people think Malik Neighbors, I have him going six. That's based on what I'm hearing. I think he's going to be gone. There's a chance that Odunze could be there if you go offensive tackle. Tennessee takes, say, Joe Walt instead of Odunze. Uh, they could uh, see him still be there, but it, it's not a guarantee that one of those two receivers will still be on the board at pick number nine. 
Who is the top-rated player regardless of position on your list, Mel? Well, regardless, would be Caleb would be one, and Marvin Harrison Jr. would be two. Those are your top two on the board. Then it gets into Jaden and Drake. Uh, then the, the then Odunze for me, and then the, obviously Malik Neighbors, and you get to Joe Alt to tackle from Notre Dame, and, and Fashionu the tackle from Penn State. I call it guys, and Brock Bowers is way up there too. He's at five six. So I call it the nifty nine. There's the nine best players in this draft are offensive players, guys. They're the best off the best players. The top nine are offensive players, and that's my nifty nine. And Brock Bowers, I have going five overall to the Chargers right now. So then the nine spot's a great spot for the Bears to be in. Well, could it, you could. That's why I think Atlanta, if they don't make a deal for a quarterback, could trade, I mean, could uh, draft at that point a defensive player, a pass rusher, like Dallas Turner. Layatu Latu, if his neck injury from when he retired medically and came back and played it at, uh, at UCLA after being at Washington, that checks out. It's, it's a, one of those pass rushers maybe for Atlanta, which leaves a two nifty nine for Chicago. Mm. Maybe two are there. I had, I had actually had Odunze there and Fashion there for the Jets. So if a defensive player jumps in there, it pushes two out of the top nine, obviously, because you got nifty nine, so that guarantees you one, right? Could get could lead to maybe two still being there. So we'll see, but that, those nine offensive players are great players, uh, and uh, you know, it, it depends on need, but Atlanta has that defensive need for a pass rusher that could allow that to happen. Let's accelerate the process here. Let's say the draft is Saturday, Mal. So, I mean, get, get ready. Um, <laughs> oh, but, I wish it was. Right, I know. <laughs> but, but let's just say that, that it is Saturday, because so much can happen between now and, and draft day. We understand that, but if if we said to you or you said to us on Monday that the Chicago Bears came away with Caleb Williams and Roma Dunze, is that an A? I mean, are we getting an A if we put in letter grades to this thing? Are we, is this a, a draft where we look at it and we say Ryan Poles did some real work here? Yeah, I think Caleb and, and, and the Rome uh, would be phenomenal. And then you've obviously traded Justin, and what did you get in return right. there? You obviously got a second-round pick, so you recouped the pick you lost for, for uh, Montez Sweat, who, by the way, he becomes part of this draft. You gave up a two for Montez Sweat, okay? So Montez Sweat is kind of part of this draft equation because you used a pick to get him. So, again, people were critical of the Claypool trade, but how about this trade? Worked out pretty good so far. So I think you got to factor that in, and what you get for, for, for Justin if you do trade him would also make this draft a, a, a little bit better and give you an opportunity to get maybe two more players or maybe three more players that you wouldn't have gotten. You're still in Baltimore, aren't you? I am waiting for the Sunday, very <laughs> anticipating, a, anticipating a victory in a Super Bowl for the Ravens. I, I'd be, I wouldn't say shocked, but I'd be really surprised if the Ravens going to finish this off and move on to the Super Bowl. Uh, they are a team that's on a mission. Their defense, I think, is going to cause trouble for, uh, for Mahomes, who has that one great target, and, and maybe it's a Rice and not much else. The O-line's going to be dealing with a crowd noise. I've been on that field, guys. The crowd noise here is unlike just about any other. It's a tremendous home field advantage. You saw that against Houston when they had with six you know, uh, pre-snap penalties. I think those offensive tackles are prone to penalties. There'll be more of a problem for them on Sunday. Uh, I think the, the, the offense for the Ravens, you can run the ball. The Buffalo Bills had success running. They were gashing it for a while. Really, had it not been for Chris Jones pushing Deion Dawkins into Josh and causing that incomplete pass, who knows what would have happened there. Uh, had Tyler Bass made that field goal, who knows what would have happened. But the bottom line is I think the Ravens are set to knock off Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, move on and play the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Wow. Great stuff, Mal. Uh, good luck Sunday. We always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so Thanks, much, Mal. Guys, always a pleasure, Matt. Take care, guys. There you go, Mal Kuyper Jr. Always great with his time. That's, that's four hours worth of information in 19 minutes. <laughs>
He is the fastest he's, talker there it's, is. It's fantastic. It is, is. isn't he? Look, and, and like I think he's the most open-minded of anybody that we have talked to about this. Like I think most everyone else is like you got to take Caleb Williams. He is the more open-minded about hey, you got to think about it. You that he still is bullish on Justin. He still is open-minded to getting the haul that a lot of people call in about and uh, getting the multiple first-round pick. And I think the reason why that is is because, uh, again, usually when you have the first overall pick, you're a two-win team with nobody at the position. And we've said this over and over and over again, and, and, and Greg Olson referenced it as well. This is a conversation because they have the first overall selection. If they had 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, wherever it is, it wouldn't be a conversation. So I and and I think that it is it's a little murkier now because they're, you know, because of the, after the 2022 season as you heard Mel say, you know, there weren't very many knocks against Caleb Williams, but in 2023 it didn't look as good in 2023 as it did in 2022, so maybe some concern is creeping in, but it's, I, look, I, I still believe if up there at Hallis Hall they believe that Caleb Williams can be a special player, I don't think they move the pick. I think that they use it. Yes, yes. And, I, again, I keep saying it to you, that's the best logic. Like, if you, you don't run from a special player. No. But, but if there are still the question marks, well, we like him. We really like him. We're still not sure if we love him. Then all, all possibilities uh, could happen. And again, I'll say something I've said all along. This is a pretty good spot to be in. It's because if, in fact, you decide to move forward with Justin and you think Shane Waldron can kind of unlock him and get him to be the player that you want him to be, and you can move that pick, then your team is going to obviously add some ammunition for sure. I still don't know what polls, like, I don't know much about polls even after two years. Because just when you think you, th- you know him, like, he did what he did with Eberflus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. That for that me going to take a little Caleb bit Williams. of a loop. Yeah, in terms of. Because he has been bold in, in, other, in other decisions. Like those hugs after the game with Justin. You know, there's been uh, in some of the interviews where he wouldn't go and, and really endorse Justin, though. I don't know. I, 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 but he listens to his locker room. He listened to his locker room on Eberflus. And that locker room loves Justin. So I just don't know. I, do, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, Ryan Poles' second year anniversary, two-year anniversary is today. I have a poll question brought to you by your local Chicagoland Toyota dealers. You can weigh in on this. Um, what grade would you give him after being here for two years? Um, an A, a B, a C, or a D? There are only four options you can give. I would not even put an F if there were five because there's no way. The what Ryan are the Pauls options again? A, B, C, D? A, B, C, D. I, you, you, I, 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 would, I would probably land on B. Me too. I would give A a consideration, but B is probably where I would land. And then, like, if, if you could go, like, I would maybe lean more towards, like, a B plus. Yes, that's kind of what like, I was uh, 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 He loses marks for me with the, with the Eberflus situation, with the coaching situation. I don't think he hired uh, the best coach, and I think he's staying with the coach. And everyone's going to have a missed trade or a missed pick. You're not going to go perfect. You're just not. Chase Claypool deal was not a good one, but... You show me a general manager after two years that doesn't have a blemish and you're playing fantasy football. 
Like that's it's it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I've I've documented it with Theo Epstein when he came here after winning multiple World Series with Boston. He he made a lot of bad mistakes. His first he missed on his first couple managers. He missed on a couple of signings early on. So Ryan Poles to me is a solid B to B plus, and that's the way people are voting. Sixty two point nine percent saying a B. 14, uh, well, next is 18.7% give him a C, 14.5% give him an A, and 3.9% of the people give him a D. I would like to hear from those. Why are you giving, why would anyone give him a D at this point? Yeah, I, look, I, as I said, I think he's done a lot of A work. I do. I think there's been, if you look at what Tyreek Stevenson, I think Tyreek Stevenson is top of the rookie class at cornerbacks, regardless of where they were drafted. Uh, I think you know his right tackle is is somebody that is going to be in place for a very long time. The deal that he made last year that brought him a lot, including Tyreek Stevenson, I believe, right, and Darnell Wright, and yeah, DJ Moore. It's an I A-plus believe deal. I believe that Dexter is going to be a good player as well. I think that you saw some improvement from him in the second half of the season that really leaves you feeling good about things. The the coaching situation to me is a little bit of a question, and maybe it will play out, and and we'll all say, "Wow, he was right." Sure, that's what I'm hoping it's for. A fluid, it's a fluid grade, like just like your quarterly grade or your uh, your midterm grade is one thing, and at the end of the semester, it's another thing. In three years, it could be a totally different grade. Absolutely, because listen again, hiring Shane Waldron is an enormous hire. Can Shane Waldron either, A, unlock Justin and take you where you need to go or develop the first pick of the draft? And if that goes well, that's going to bode well for Matt Eberflus and for Ryan Poles' decision. If it doesn't go well, that's all going to come back on him. So, obviously, there's too much is given, much is expected. There is a lot on his plate, and there are a lot of options that he has, but these are going to be some difficult evaluations for him. Tim and Frank for you on ESPN 1000. What's up, Tim? Hey, gentlemen. Have afternoon. Good hey, afternoon. Um, so, Mike, everybody's asking a question. Is is Eberflus better than, than Jim Harbaugh? Is Jim Harbaugh better than Eberflus? But that's not the real the, the question you really need to ask. Because is would Jim Harbaugh come in and be a better coach and GM than Poles and Eberflus together. And I, I think Poles and Eberflus are working well together. You went from three wins to seven wins. Your, your plan is working. You're doing things right. Why are you going to totally destroy your plan to bring in somebody new that wants to take over total control? I don't think if you add somebody who's better at his job that it's destroying anything. I think it is valid, Tim, to ask the question, how would Ryan Poles and Jim Harbaugh work together? And what would Jim's expectation be with regard to his voice and how loud it would be with personnel decisions? I think that's a very good question. Um, but, I, I mean, I think if you are taking the approach that they're taking, and I hate to be repetitive, but I will be. If you're upgrading in a lot of other spots, why would you take a different route with the head coach position? And again, and it's not just any situation. If you're going to draft a quarterback, like how many times are we going to go through this process of drafting a quarterback for a coach that isn't there potentially? It's I, it's just I think it, it, it makes the waters more murky right. the way they've done things. And what, a, and what a story, too, by the way, from Mel Kuyper about uh, Paxton Lynch. Yeah. 
Like, again, like, because a lot of people do can, when we say, hey, Mel Kuyper Jr. is coming up, what does he think about Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields? And and it's funny because I think most of the tweets, oh, here's your draft expert. Look at the way he ranked uh, Mitch Trubisky versus Patrick Mahomes. The ironic part is he's the most open-minded about Justin. But just like he gets stuff wrong, he told you Andy Reid and Brett Veach and John Dorsey at the time, a year before, were this close to, what was it? Was it a trade or was it to drafting? Uh, they wanted Paxton to trade up Lynch. with the Broncos. Pa- yeah, and ultimately, that didn't happen and they ended up drafting Chris Jones. Right, right. right. So they, they could have, again, gotten Paxton Lynch and that would have been no Chris Jones and no uh, Patrick Mahomes. And Paxton Lynch is one of the biggest busts in recent memory. You just wonder whether or not Andy Reid could have made him good as well. I'm joking, but but <laughs> it's, it's true. right. It's true. It, it's it's right. I mean, it's but so like it's a crapshoot. A lot oh, of ways. Yeah, you got to get it right. You and and luck plays a lot of into it. Just like where um, Houston, uh, the story goes, wanted Bryce Young, but. Carolina took him, and Carolina's coaching staff didn't want Bryce Young. They wanted C.J. Stroud, but the owner said, you're taking Bryce Young. So then what did Houston? Houston was left with C.J. Stroud, and they, they lucked into it. it, yeah. it, 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 it nice it's consolation cra- prize. It's crazy. You think about it, too, as you zoom out. These are all... These are all pieces to the puzzle. I'm not saying it's the determining factor, but this is part of the equation. If you are Ryan Poles, are you going to tried to build your team with your guys or are you going to try to build your team with other people's guys and at the end of the day the important thing is is to build a really good team regardless of whether or not you've got guys from the previous administration or not right but when it comes to having the first overall selection for a second consecutive year is this the opportunity that a general manager would want to really put his stamp on a team by selecting his quarterback. Now, again, I'm sure people will say, well, just pick the right guy. That's true. But as we've said for a long time now as well, it's last year's trade I'm totally fine with. If C.J. Stroud turns out to be, for the course of his career, the player that he was as a rookie, he's going to be a top five or six quarterback for the next decade. If, in fact, they decide to move forward with Justin and pass on Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whoever it is, and that guy goes on to be a top five or six quarterback, and Justin gets a little bit better but doesn't become the player you wanted, NFL yeah. history books are not going to no. be kind to Ryan Poles. And you can't be making decisions based on how you think people will perceive you five or six years down the road, but you are a human being. Right. It's funny what you just said, too. If Matt Eberflus had the exact same season, everything happened, but let's say Ryan Pace hired Matt Eberflus. And Ryan Poles inherited him. But the exact same thing happened. Right. The games were the same. Uh, the assistant coaches were fired. He turned it around, called his own plays. The locker room loved him. Went to bat for him. But he wasn't Ryan Poles' guy. Would he still be here? That's a good question. I, I mean, Probably I, not, I, could, right? I could see a scenario where the answer to your question is no. Probably better than 50%. Because he sees what he originally saw in him. Correct. And this is your, like, look, this is your vision, right? This is, you want to build a team in your vision. You are the general manager. The quarterback's the most important player in professional sports, in my opinion, certainly in football. 
if you're evaluating the direction you want your team to go, you better be damn sure on either way that the guy that you inherited is going to be a guy that takes you where you want to go. Or if you pivot, the guy that you draft who will help secure your legacy is the right choice. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so again, I don't think that – I think this is an enviable decision for any general manager. I think the evaluation is difficult. But the decision, I don't believe ultimately when it comes to, to happen – will be that hard of a decision. It will be definitively, I feel strongly here. Because if my general manager is waffling and goes, well, I could do this or I could do that, then I'm, yeah. I'm, that concerns no. me. I need you to be, and I hate to use the phrase because we busted Cap's balls for the saying conviction. It, but I need the conviction of the general manager. Yeah, it will be. I, I, I think you're right. But by the end of this, uh, after they do all the homework, it will be. Let's get to Waddle's World. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Welcome to Waddle's World. Come inside. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. I got a story about a potty mouth parrot or parrots a little bit later. We'll get to that. Parrot? Like the parrots? Yes. It's a really interesting story, isn't it, Tyler? Oh, yeah. It's a good one. We're trying to get Oh, it's worse. I mean, like, really, I think, yeah, I think these are really, really seedy parrots. Um, Anyway, Waddle's World's brought to you by Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. To find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank, visit Wintrust.com slash find us member FDIC. I sent Tyler a text today and I said, listen, to start off Waddle's World, I want your input on something. And I because he's one of our college football or college sports experts. And my question was, because Harbaugh's left Michigan, and again, we can point to you know, disciplinary action that may come down on Michigan and he wanted out or maybe Jim just wanted to go to the NFL for a new challenge, whatever the case may be. But we saw Nick Saban and Nick is probably, how old is Nick? Nick 70? I believe so, yeah, 70. 70 or higher. And my question to, to Tyler was, is the whole situation with the NIL, how NIL has now become a large part of college sports, really with no real guidelines, right? There's... Very little regulation of it. Has it changed the landscape of college sports in like an enormously yes. dramatic manner? Yes. I mean, is it the Free reason agency. why? And is it the reason why you may see going forward coaches who have been in the game for a long time may decide, listen, I don't want to deal with this anymore? And is it ultimately hurting the, the play on the field because there's so much... It's tra- it's a transient business. I don't think it's hurting the play on the field. Like, these last college football playoffs were great, and usually you get a bunch of clunkers in the first round, and then you get usually a pretty good championship game. Um, but I do think that it is driving a lot of these coaches away, especially because... And I'm just thinking football. You could add yeah. clarity to this. I honestly situation. think there's more. it's driving more away in basketball than it's doing with football, because football, I don't think... 
that is the biggest reason why Jim Harbaugh left, even though Michigan is very stingy with their NIL, especially in comparison to Ohio State, who's just getting, I mean, if you've been tracking it, if you transferred out of Alabama, you're, you've been going to Ohio State. Ohio State's That's been the pipeline. Yeah. Like, I would imagine, and the game really it, isn't going to... Let gonna, me interject this real Let me ask you the question. Yeah. Is that because Ohio State is paying top dollar? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, and Gotta, that was one of the things with, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., it was a real conversation, it seemed like, with him that he was going to potentially go back because of the NIL money. Uh, they've had, I think, three or four guys that at, in some form of mock draft have been first-rounders that are going back to school. Like, it is crazy, some of the money that's being doled out at Ohio State. And I think the weird part about it is with the landscape of NIL is that these schools are just paying players. I always thought the intention of NIL right was to make money for themselves right, and, and, and was get to, paid by businesses. Yeah, you you get paid to do a commercial, you get paid to do an autograph signing, you get sure. paid to do a public appearance. Not oh, we, we're going to start this collective, this NIL collective fund, and then just funnel it to the players. So what what is what do you believe is on the horizon with regard to any type of guide, uh, guardrails? If I were the NCAA, I would get rid of the the collective funds. I think that's that's the only way to even start. To, and I, listen, I'm not one to sit here and, and take money out of the kids' pockets because I don't think that's the right thing to do. I do think these kids should be making money and, and the, the high levels of money that they are making right now. But the problem is with these collective funds is that's how you're really damaging the, the sport, I think. Like, that's the thing that's really taking away from... And, and, Really Do you think that Nick the Saban would have stayed if NIL wasn't such a large yes. part of the landscape? Mm-hmm. I do. And he just it was recruiting like it used to be. Yeah. But, but back to Harbaugh, too. Like, a lot of people have said, well, he's just running. Don't forget this. Jim Harbaugh has tried to get an NFL job for the last few years. The Vikings turned him down. He, he wasn't as hot of a coaching free agent as he is now. Right? Well, it was yeah. the Vikings in another team that he wanted to be a head coach for. So it's not just like he's he's just running away from the allegations or the penalties. But it would be an interesting conversation of whether or not he would leave if he didn't have the cloud hanging over. I, I understand that, yeah. but, but he wanted the Vikings. What was it? Two years ago, yeah. wasn't it? I think he actually the, the, told Michigan, I won't take another NFL interview going forward that was the time when remember like they there was some unsettled business at michigan even more so then than now and look he missed six games this year what is going to come down on them next year that jim harbaugh and his staff wouldn't have been able to overcome well no the the problem would be is it would be a playoff ban it would be a bowl ban. are you really think they're going to do that i think it's very possible because everyone wants to talk about the cheating allegations. That's not even the highest thing on the ledger right now that the NCAA is going to come down on what, them What for. is the transgression that they're going to try and... It's, it's going to be that they were recruiting during a dead period. Oh, come on, really? It, it was the COVID dead period. Like right. This is a really big thing in college sports that they do crack down on. I get it, okay? And, and again, I, I just would hope that the, the punishment would fit the crime. In that case. I think that's recruiting a pretty significant through, crime. Yeah, you're going to tell me that Jim Harbaugh was the only guy that was recruiting during the dead period, or he's the only guy that got caught? He's, 
He got caught doing uh, it. Okay, Don't get again. caught doing it if you're going to do I, it. I, and I, that's a fair. And I, you have I'm, to, you have to I'm set a, a precedent. I'm a apologist. I know that. <laughs> But I'm just saying to you. Listen, it's the same thing with the cheating scandal. Like, there were plenty of people that were out yeah, there stupid rule. that were probably doing the same thing or something similar, right? He's but not. He, I agree with Sully. He's not running. He's not running from Michigan. I don't think he's really running either. But I, I do think that it would be an interesting conversation if there wasn't the cloud Let me ask you a question. Why in the world would Michigan be willing to bring him back and make him the highest paid right. coach in college football if they thought they were going to be on the cusp of a playoff ban? They don't know. Well, because it's just one year. And, he's a, and he wins. Because they, they want to win they'll after. Take, they'll take their lumps for one year, and now you're entering a Big Ten right, where there's aren't... going to be a lot more players but, and significant players, too. But if there is a playoff ban for Michigan, don't guys just scatter? Like, right. Are, are they going like, to We could really see a crumble with this Michigan program for a couple years. So like That's why Sharon is, is... Moore going in there is not going to be on a steady ship if he takes over. But my question then is, is why in the world would they offer to pay him more money than any coach in college football if for the next two or three years if there was going to be this dilemma? Wouldn't they just say at this point, listen, Jim, you made this mess. We don't want you back. Isn't he the thanks, one guy? Thanks for the title. Isn't yeah, he the thanks, one guy? Thanks yeah. for the title. Isn't he the one guy, though, that could really steady the ship? I, I, like, I he's the guy he who... Is, Tyler, but... And, and the thing about Harbaugh is he doesn't get these monster recruiting rankings. Like, if you look at where Michigan ranks in recruiting year after year, it's not inside the top ten usually. And that is a, a credit to him and the way that he develops his players, develops the talent, develop, develops the roster, and turns three- and four-star kids into playing like five-stars. That's why we should have him here. Um... But again, it's like he also had an adversarial relationship with either the AD or the AD, president. Yeah. Too. Him and the president are tight, Santa Ono, yes. but him and Ward Manuel are not. It's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I, but I agree as well. I don't, I don't think he was running. I think that the timing may sound or look unique, but I think that what Jim Harbaugh did, he accomplished what he wanted to do, to do at Michigan. He won a title, and now I think he's chasing a title in the National Football League. And make it twenty million dollars in the process. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are set to hire Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales, which is I, it was a surprise. It's going to get done, uh, according to Shefty. He said that earlier. He's done good work uh, with Tampa and Baker he, Mayfield. He has very much so, and I do believe there is a connection. The new general manager uh, Dan Morgan, who was a, a really player. good player, he the two of them were together in Seattle, I believe. So that there is some. There is some continuity there, but I I wasn't expecting, I wasn't following the situation closely, but this was not something that I was expecting. Vic Fangio is, in fact, to become the Eagles defensive coordinator. That was uh, reported yesterday. I believe that that will probably be solidified at some point today. Uh, this is an interesting story, uh, story too, about uh, Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty was arrested over an illegal betting situation at LSU. He was arrested today in Baton Rouge over allegations of illegal sports betting while he played at LSU. Tyler, because you're the college football guy, you you know that Booty was one of the best, was considered one of the best receiver um, prospects. Yeah. He was drafted in the sixth round because I don't think he played very well in his final year, but there was a lot of talk about him being one of the first or second receivers taken the prior year. And then like the pedigree of LSU receivers and all that. There's, I mean... 
Also, how many bets was it? Like 9,000? Yeah, investigators assigned to the uh, Louisiana State Police Gaming Enforcement Division found that he bet on sports from April 6th of 2022 until May 7th of 2023 when he was 20 years of age. He allegedly used an alias to get around the age requirements for placing sports wagers in Louisiana. And the alias account believed to be used by Booty placed more than 8,900 wagers with at least 17 bets on NCAA football games, including at least six on LSU football, according to police. He's in trouble. I don't know ultimately what will happen to him, but this is not this is not. I don't know why they why they risk it. Yeah, I don't either. It's not. I don't know. All right. When we come back, we have to take a break. When we come back, I'll bring you this story about this parrot. I thought it was very. It's parrots. I don't think it's just one. I think it's a series of parrots that are not very pleasant. That's next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. This is breaking news on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. And this is interesting. According to Tom Pelissero and others, everyone's got the story now, though. Uh, the Falcons are zeroing in on Raheem Morris as their next head coach. So basically everyone, Shefty, is now reporting it as well. Uh, Falcons plan to hire Raheem Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris as their head coach per sources. Um, interesting because, like I said, they had just done a second interview with Bobby Slowick Jr. And Bill Belichick looks like uh, when the music stops, he'll be without a seat. Yes. I don't know. Wh- why do you believe that's the case? Now, Raheem Morris is a guy who uh, has been with McVay. He's been a former head coach. Uh, used to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's getting another uh, another chance at this. But why do you believe that no one wants to touch Belichick? Uh, Listen, when Bill Belichick comes into your building, it's really Bill Belichick's building. And maybe, you know, teams are not interested in going in that direction. I always thought that... I thought it was a very likely scenario that he would... That that he maybe just was going to ride off into the sunset. I think if there was a ready-made spot for him whether it's Dallas or it was Philadelphia, that that would be a great opportunity for him to land there. But if you're the Atlanta Falcons, is that the direction you would want it to have gone? I mean, he's the greatest NFL coach in uh, uh, in history, in my opinion. But I wouldn't be that jacked about having him. I just wouldn't. Do you think there's something, too, about Belichick where all the players say, Playing for him, there wasn't a lot of joy. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, mean, I, I know they won. Of course, the joy comes from winning. But when you have Tom Brady, yeah, um, and then when you're not winning, there's just there's not well, there there's no guarantee about winning, and then there's just not any. There's there, no happiness. There's no happiness. None. Like, Sell me on what you've done. A, with your... Because when you walk into the room, while he may not be your general manager, he's going to have a loud voice when it comes to personnel. Show me where you guys have really, A, developed a quarterback or a a potent offense, and show me why having Matt Patricia call plays was a good idea. You've got to convince me that while you're the greatest NFL coach of all time, why did you do this? So... That would leave me a little bit 
I don't know. A little bit concerned. So is Bobby Slowick uh, going to be back with the Texans? Is he interviewed anywhere else? Maybe Bobby Slowick Jr. Is he has he interviewed in in uh, Seattle? I don't really know who is interviewed in Seattle. Doesn't sound like a lot of. Uh, and Vrabel's still out there. Vrabel's out there. Bobby Sloak Jr.'s the name that you you heard. And you think Ben Johnson's going to Washington? I think Ben Johnson's going to Washington. I'm looking right now. The Seahawks um, began their search on Tuesday with Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Also interviewed Mike Kafka, and then the rest of this week, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, who's now off the table. And Ejiro Avero from Carolina. Mm-hmm. So no Bobby Sloak in there. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on. Right, I'm gonna save my parrot story because I don't want to be late for Mike Tirico uh-huh. who joins us. Yeah, the parrots were saying a lot more than that. But okay. I will bring this to you tomorrow when we have more. All time. Right, so Mike Tirico uh, told me the last thing he's doing before vacation, talking to us. How about that? So we'll, uh, we'll talk NFL playoffs with him. We'll talk. Uh, bear- we always turn to him. I said. You thought it was bad when we talked to you about Cutler? Wait till, wait till we talk to you about this quarterback situation. So we'll talk to Tariko about all of that. The voice of Sunday Night Football, Mike Tariko, joins us next.